about it so much the last few days. And I'm one of those where I'm just like, why does my, my back hurt in that spot? Or why is my leg warm or something? Um, <clears throat> obviously, it's called Slack Channel Frankenstein. Uh, I did an episode on John Fetterman a few few back. I think it was 47 or 46. And I didn't, I, I didn't intend to do another one. Uh, I kind of just addressed a lot of this stuff. Well, as many of you probably know, he sat down for an interview with a reporter named Dasha Burns from NBC. And they clearly thought this was going to be kind of a softball, sympathetic interview to his condition. And he's okay. It's here to show him how healthy he is. He's fit to serve while still having some minor problems and whatever. This came uh, while we're seeing kind of we're in the midst of kind of two October surprises. One is the media's rolling out, Daily Beast in particular, kind of a campaign against Herschel Walker. Uh, I am not here, in case there's any journos or uh, adverse people in here, I'm not here to defend neither the Herschel Walker or Oz campaign, and it's pretty much stated how I feel about both of those candidates. But there clearly was an October surprise campaign against Herschel Walker, which I don't care. Uh, Pick better candidates, whether that's left or the right. It's kind of my attitude to avoid these things. And then you saw in Pennsylvania a week-long kind of PR blitz uh, for John Fetterman. It started with a New York mag puff piece about him in print. Um, Then we had a 538 Nate Silver kind of video piece about him as well. What, you know, what are his chances uh, given his health? And then we saw the NBC interview. And they showed some highlights of this that portrayed it very positively for him. And even myself mistakenly called it an in-kind donation because it looked like they were trying to set him up as just like this gentle oaf uh, who, I don't want to hurt no one or, any, or whatever. And then the interview, clips of the interview drop. And there was almost an instantaneous coalescing of media minds on the left. And that has now bled over into mainstream institutions such as the New York Times, uh, the Washington Post, just as I was kind of getting ready to come live here and whatever. uh, David Rutz from Fox News, formerly a free beacon, reached out to NBC uh, because as of yet, we have not gotten many defenses of Dasha Burns and her interview. And I think this is notable because this is the day and age where journalists' lives are on the line and they facing death threats. And Dasha Burns has faced a torrent of abuse over the last two days over her defense of the interview regarding his, uh, his health and his condition. And so far, as I mentioned on my podcast today, I've only seen two real mainstream journalists defend her. One was Colby Hall, for, for formerly a mediate. And uh, if you've seen my interactions with him, this is a guy who was no fan of mine. And I'm certainly not really a fan of his. But he did, in fact, defend her interview and her interview style. The other one was a reporter, I forget his first name, of Yamos from NBC, saying he's proud uh, to call her a colleague and et cetera. Other than that, the rest of her NBC colleagues, especially ones on air, are joining the dog pile. Uh, ben Collins, Stephanie Rule. Uh, Lawrence, whatever that fucking guy's name is, the former West Wing actor, um, as well as Joe Scarborough and others. Um, this kumbaya all for one, one for all has now gone out the door 
because they believe that the United States Senate in the midterms hinges on two races, one being Georgia, which they're trying to influence, and Pennsylvania. They think if they can torch Walker and drag Frankenstein's lifeless corpse across the line, then they're going to hold the Senate by a seat, maybe two. I would uh, surmise that that is misguided based on what we're seeing now uh, in polling. And uh, to kind of set this up, and uh, what, what we saw happen was Fetterman needed a transcribing program for his computer to simply answer questions. Dasha Burns noted on Twitter prior to the interview that he seemed to not be able to follow their small talk, like just chit-chatting, hey, I'm here. This was the first sit-down interview he had given live. Every interview this guy had done um, had been done through over, you know, monitor or Zoom or whatever, where he's, he's able to sit there and read the questions that are being posed to him. And I've heard from several Pennsylvania voters who said they had no idea he needed to do this because when he's on a Zoom screen, you don't see the monitor, obviously. You just see him uh, through the broadcast. And for this interview, he's sitting at a desk and he has a Mac. And you see when the camera's over his shoulder, you see like an icon of Dasha Burns. And you see uh, when she's asking him questions displayed on the screen. And he's kind of reading it like an orangutan trying to figure out what the fucking octagon is or whatever. And he would then try to answer the questions. And even upon answering questions, he was... Uh, sometimes incoherent, his thoughts collided together, he couldn't find the right words. Uh, not being able to find the right words, he stumbled over the word empathetic repeatedly. I don't think that that's really the, the issue here. Uh, if you listen to my podcast, I mispronounce words, whatever. I, and I probably had five strokes. Um, when this came out, suddenly you had uh, several journalists who have interviewed him, Molly John Fast, Kara Swisher in particular, and we'll go into her, uh, Stephanie Rule and others say uh, there's no problem with Fetterman. When they interviewed him, he he sounded fine. Well, they knew they kind of ran into something there when people such as myself and others began saying, if he's fine, then he should be fine to debate. Correct. And of course, they're not going to answer those questions. They're going to mute you and move on. But they realized what they were doing they, they, and they hit the brakes on that pretty fast. And almost overnight, we went from John Fetterman is fine and healthy and able and fit to serve, despite his uh, his handicap from his stroke, to he has a stroke and he is disabled, and we should be allowed disabled people to serve in the Senate. They started using examples such as Greg Abbott, Tammy Duckworth, uh, FDR. Uh, they started using the example of glasses. And as we all know, these are physical uh, liabilities or disabilities or whatever, uh, not cognitive, not the uh, inability. Greg Abbott does not have the inability to process questions that are asked of him because he is in a wheelchair. Charles Cook in National Review had a good sum up of this saying, we know what you're doing and, and we don't frankly think it's going to work. Um, I don't think it's going to work either, but that's kind of up for you guys to discuss and whatever. Um, they settled on the Washington Post today, settled on a condition called aphasia, which uh, is a cognitive disorder usually caused by strokes that uh, make, makes it hard to process words, process language, process whatever. Uh, I'm going to read a statement from a, an actual neurologist because I am not one that didn't stop our media from suddenly diagnosing Fetterman. 
They've settled on that he is suffering from aphasia because due to uh, speaking with ex experts who have not diagnosed him. And this is the problem, and this is the meat of the issue, is you have our media who has not sat in the room with Fetterman, has not looked at his medical records, which is the biggest thing here, uh, basically going ahead and diagnosing him and saying, see, this is what it is. It's aphasia. There it is. Um, we, of course, know about the hypocrisy of this, of how they aren't shared diagnosed Donald Trump. I don't really, I want to stay away from that. There's several things you can go butt Trump on. And this is one, of course, where we saw during the Trump years, he, he had trouble walking down a ramp. He couldn't drink a glass of water, etc. I think this is slightly different. Uh, certainly not in questioning mental health. The more proper example, as they cite Tammy Duckworth being in a wheelchair and able to serve, is Tammy Duckworth beat out Mark Kirk. Mark Kirk suffered a stroke during campaign and to the point to where the Chicago Tribune in Illinois, in the state of Illinois, endorsed Duckworth saying Mark Kirk is not fit to serve because of his mental acuities. Uh, we don't have that kind of uh, endorsement yet in any Pennsylvania paper, unless you do, and I don't know in which case, tell me, but I have not seen this yet. The Washington Post, to their credit, did come out and call for a full release of John Fetterman's health records. And this is what led to the exchange with uh, Dasha Burns saying, Fetterman says, I've been transparent as possible, and he obviously has not. And they know what a touchy subject this is, because if he releases those health records now, we're probably going to learn it's not fucking aphasia, and it's probably even something worse. And so what's interesting, and someone alerted me to this, and I kind of took it and ran with it, is aphasia is what... Bruce Willis was diagnosed with and was forced to retire from acting back in March. Uh, the New York Times had kind of a very different take on what aphasia is and, what, and how it affects the brain and how it affects your body and how it affects your cognitive abilities. I'm going to read to you what they, say, what they said about it then, because, and, I, and I just want you to take it with you because I want you to see how they're going to cover this going forward. This was about Bruce Willis's aphasia back in March of this year. All cases of aphasia stem from neurological changes in the brain. Strokes resulting in brain damage are the number one cause. And this is from uh, a doctor named Shazam Hussein, director of the Cerebrovascular Center at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio, but can also be caused by degenerative conditions like dementia, Alzheimer's, and other uh cognitive disorders. According to the National Institute on Deafness and other communication disorders, other triggers include brain injuries, including from several blows to the head, brain tumors, gunshot wounds, and brain infections. This part's important. It says, while there is no cure, patients with aphasia can seek speech and occupational therapy. The National Aphasia Association recommends two primary methods of treatment. Impairment-based therapies involve evaluating and then targeting specific reading, speaking, and writing skills through activities like fill-in-the-blank exercises and training patients to remember synonyms and antonyms, and maybe now, in his case, pronouns. Communication-based therapies focus on rebuilding conversation and cognition skills that patients use to participate in everyday activities. They may role-play scenarios like ordering a coffee or speaking on a video call, uh, said Mr. Jell, the speech-language pathologist, and she's from the National Aphasia Association. This is a very kind of dire thing. And as Kara Swisher, amongst who's kind of leading this charge, as she's a stroke victim herself, stating she had mild uh, asphasia, said it gets better. Well, from here, it says there's no cure. Um, it's not curable. And what we're seeing in real time 
is kind of the rewriting of one medical ethics as it pertains to candidates running for the United States Senate. The question here is pretty simple. Is John Fetterman cognitively able to do the job of a United States senator? That means voting on legislation, reading legislation, understanding legislation coherently, making committee arguments, listening to staff. If he's walking through the halls and Manu Raji comes, Hey, Mr. Fetterman, can I get you a hang on whatever the thing Lindsey Graham said? Uh, being able to answer that question. These are all spontaneous events. Uh, that a senator will go through in their day uh, unless they are wheeling a transcribing program behind him that he's hooked up to. I don't know how they think that he is fit to serve. The troubling also part of this, obviously, and that's up to the voters. That's not up to me. And as I've said, I don't, this is not about being invested in Oz. I'm not here to be an Oz cheerleader. If the voters of Pennsylvania want to choose this giant, fat, retarded fuck, then that's up to them. And then I will have fun at his expense for the next, uh, whatever, three years that he's in office, because I do not see him uh, serving a full term. I'm going to also read here a comment. And this is, and I read this on my podcast today, and this is from a, uh, a neurosurgeon who subscribes to my podcast. And so the only reason I'm doing this is because we're doing armchair, if our journalists are going to do armchair diagnoses while excusing the fact that Fetterman will not release his medical records, which could solve this entire problem, then I'm going to read one back. And uh, I'm not going to reveal this person's name per their request, but he says, this is a neurosurgeon's perspective on Fetterman. If I've, I've been hesitant to chime in on for a number of reasons, but feel compelled to provide some professional insights. I'm a neurosurgeon with fellowship training in stroke, cerebrovascular, as well as fellowship in endovascular neurosurgery. Uh, I've practiced this a couple times, so it should come through better than I did on my podcast. Essentially, I specialize in surgical management, all types of stroke, including the kind that afflicted Mr. Fetterman. Fetterman suffered an embolic stroke where a clot forms elsewhere in the body, usually the heart or the arteries supplying the brain, and lodges inside an artery of the brain, causing damage to the efferent brain by impeding blood flow. Ischemic stroke with large vessel occlusion is potentially treatable with either systemic thrombolytics, clot-busting medication, but are usually treated by some sort of mechanical revascularization using a clot retriever or aspiration catheter to reopen the occluded artery and reestablish blood flow. This operation is a race against time to save a salvageable brain, (laughs) not the abnormal brain. That's me, by the way. This is not the doctor. The symptomatic manifestations of stroke are varied, mostly based on the arterial territory and the parts of brain they supply. Based on what is manifest, I can confidently say that Fetterman has lingering effects of aphasia. So there seems to be a consensus here, at least. This is a generic term uh, describing trouble with language. He appears to have a mixed form of aphasia that affects both his ability to speak as well as understand what is said to him. Every stroke patient undergoes objective testing by a neurologist, usually through measuring something called the NIH stroke scale, which measures overt impairments like weakness on one side of the body and ability to speak. These patients also undergo evaluation by a speech and language therapist to, among other things, formulate a plan for recuperative therapy. Most patients suffering from aphasia see see insults on the posterior frontal and or dominant superior temporal lobe. Depending on the size of the infarct, they may also see uh, parietal lobe involvement, which can affect things like spatial recognition, performing complex multi-step tasks, and basic things like counting. 
<laughs> not performing complex multi-step tasks uh, and not saying Fetterman is definitely suffering from any of these, but the question is the scope and severity of his neurologic deficits has been aggressively sidestepped by the self-styled arbiters of science and fact-checking. Uh, this kind of, he, he goes on to say more, but I'll say that on my podcast in the interest of time. I have not seen, and kind of getting into the thrust of all of this, I have not seen this kind of coordinated campaign in years, probably since the Hunter Biden story. I would also argue uh, the coalescing of journalists around a narrative without any investigation or due diligence of their own, also around the Kavanaugh accusation, the first one that came out. It's simply the accusation was made, they leapt behind it, and that was that. Um, the title of this was called Slack Channel Frankenstein. It's because there used to be a thing called Journalist, uh, started by Ezra Klein, uh, had several members of media that are still working today. Dave Weigel was popularly uh, resigned over, the, over this, his participation in this. And it offered a kind of coordinating uh, listserv for journalists to basically roll out narratives to defend the, uh, the Obama administration and, and what they wanted. And while this went away once it was discovered, um, you now have apps like WhatsApp, Slack channel, etc., And that's where a lot of these coordination things go on. I obviously can't prove that this happened in this case, but if you saw, you saw a very clear pattern happen where they, several of them stood up and said, he's fine. I spoke to him. I had no problems. And then when the pushback came of, if he's fine, then he should be able to debate once that happened, they kind of stumbled around for a bit, and it was, he can't hear. Uh, he has deafness, which is what they have also settled on, by the way. And uh, as some of these people that I've talked to, and some of these people I've listened to, uh, aphasia is not necessarily a hearing disorder. It doesn't affect the cochlear parts of the head. It affects the brain's ability to process. He can hear fine. It's just what he hears is he can't process it. And someone... Uh, who I talked to was actually also a neurosurgeon said it's it's example of like saying, Hey, can you hand me that pencil? And the person not being able to know what a pencil is, even if they're looking right at it. So that's just a, like a basic example I was given. Um, I, and again, they stumbled into this thing and now they have settled on this is aphasia. And once that came out in the Washington post, this is now spread. So this is a multi-pronged story that involves both the uh, the abuse of a journalist that, that commit in my, I watched the interview and this is someone who was respectful to him, I think was sympathetic to him and was trying to make him come off is not the village monster that he is. And Fetterman's condition did not allow him to basically get out of this interview looking good, which is why you're seeing this kind of uh, pushback against this. They know absolutely how bad this looks, which is why they are now leaning into the fact that he had a stroke and he is not healthy. If you've paid attention to John Fetterman's very cool, very viral, very meme-tastic Twitter feed for the past six months, it's jokey and it's lighthearted and it's gotten credit, whatever. And if you paid attention to it over the last two days, boy, the tone of that, uh, that whole room has shifted. One of the other reasons you're seeing the pushback to this is real clear polling, real clear average polling, which is generally pretty accurate, now has Oz up 
by 2.4 points and is predicting an Oz victory and a, and a GOP hold for Pennsylvania. That would pretty much be all she wrote for the United States Senate. Um, we saw comparisons of not only FDR, Greg Abbott to Fetterman, uh, which, mind you, he's suffering a cognitive brain damage. This is not a, an issue with his legs. Um, we also saw him compared to Stephen Hawking by a former Obama administration official. And uh, I had to note to this man on Twitter that Fetterman is not Stephen Hawking. He's closer to Terry Schiavo, and they wanted her dead, not in the United States Congress. So I was submissive, and I've talked to people that they know exactly what they're doing here. They know how dishonest they're being. Uh, but when your whole narrative for the past year is democracy is at stake, you think actions like this are warranted and justified. Uh, I said what's going to happen should Fetterman lose this race. And it's, gonna, it's, going to, it's going to realize a prophecy that I've long held about why they all hit the brakes on the Hunter Biden laptop. And it's because no journalist wanted to be the one responsible for four more years of Donald Trump. Partially that is politically, but it mainly has to do with how they would then be seen and viewed in their own industry. They would be a pariah. They would, there would be no book deals. There would be no cable hits. Uh, you, you would walk into the newsroom and you would be shunned like a leper. Um, no book parties, no anything, none of that. And no journalist wants to be that. And no journalist thinks a story is worth that. And what you're going to see, should Fetterman lose, and I'll wrap this up here, is every blue check on Twitter, both in journalism and not, is going to turn their guns on Dasha Burns, and they are going to burn the witch at the stake. She is going to get to the point to where she probably will have to be drummed out of NBC, change her name, and leave the state like Darren Wilson had to do in Ferguson. When, in fact, we all know that should John Fetterman lose this race, it's going to be because he is simply not healthy enough to serve out a term as United States Senator. And you're seeing kind of a culmination of the liberal progressive mindset, which is he should be able to do the job if he wants to. Um, it's sort of the participation trophy thing where we just, and that's exactly what they need him for is just to participate. They just need him. They just need to roll his ass down to the Senate floor where he can just go and vote yes. And that's literally all they're doing. Um, but what we saw in this interview was not someone who just has a problem, uh, at campaign events. And someone made the interesting, uh, observation that one of the excuses was he has struck, he struggles with loud auditory environments, which is why he won't debate. Um, if he struggles with loud auditory uh, environments, then why are you making a case that he's hard of hearing? I'd like them to, I'd like them to reconcile that one because that one's interesting to me. And they're playing off uh, the fact that you're too stupid to go back and see some of uh, Fetterman's own excuses uh, for why he is not campaigning. The other thing about aphasia is they said that with long treatment, you can get better. You can, you can sort of learn. It doesn't go away, but you can kind of practice your brain to get better at this stuff. When is he going to be doing that? Is he doing it now? That's another question I would like. What is he doing to rehab his mashed potato brain? Is that what he's going to be doing in the United States Senate? Is he just going to come out, vote, and then disappear like he did when he was mayor of Braddock, working only, what, four days a year or whatever? 
And so you have a kind of perfect storm. And the reason you're seeing this kind of reaction from now journalists, media, leftist journalists, leftist hive minds uh, is because they know how bad it looked for him, that he was able to skate by for only so long. And I was remiss that as I wrap this up, that it's going to basically come down to the debate. Should he up, show up for it, which he said he will. Um, if he shows up and he performs, even with all of his contraptions and booby traps and bolts in his neck and uh, what it, they glue an iPad to his forehead or whatever, uh, he probably might eke out a win. If he shows up and he can't form coherent thoughts, even after reading words on a screen, then I think the race is going to be over. And uh, I, I, I'm kind of mystified at how Oz is playing this. He is a doctor, so he probably feels there is an ethical obligation here to not exploit this too much. And I do think Oz is playing this correctly in the wake of this interview to kind of let it play out. Don't really respond to it. He has responded to the request for medical records, and I think that that's the right way to go. And Fetterman should owe voters that level of transparency. So that's where we are tonight. Um, as I said, a lot happening. There's a lot to chew on with this. And so I'm going to try to get through everyone. Uh, we'll go to about 930. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to count the clock from when I started jabbering. Uh, but we'll go to about, I'm sorry, to about 1030 Eastern. Uh, we'll try to get through everyone. If I don't get through everyone, I'm going to try to go for about an hour. Uh, I will plan on being back here probably on Saturday for a brunch edition that's earlier. Um, so I see already a ton of people back there. I'm going to uh, manipulate this order a little bit because I did cut off Zach and Opie last episode. So I'm going to bump them up ahead of you. So just saying if you guys can hold tight and phase back there. Uh, real fast before uh, Opie, I let you fire off. As usual, just be mind mindful that there are people behind you. Uh, so try to keep it, you know, a little bit pithy, a little bit to the point uh, for everyone. Also, if you can please mute your microphone when you're not speaking, you can just like right there on the far left, just hit that when you're done asking or talking or whatever. Um, that just makes it easier on me because of I, I also struggle with loud auditory environments. And uh, it also just makes it easier for people listening as well as the, re the recording once it's published. So let's kick this off. Give me your thoughts on everything you've seen. Has it made you angry? Has it made you encouraging? Has it concerned you, uh, both with the candidate as well as the media coalescing and this kind of wagon circling around it? So, uh, Opie, apologies again for booting you last. Uh, no problem, Stephen. Uh, I'm always concerned. Um, so that's nothing's changed. Um, my thing is, I last weekend, I broke one of your cardinal rules that you have taught us. And I talked to a journalist. You're not supposed to do that. Um, I was at the Alabama game in Tuscaloosa and at the pregame in our kind of like quad academic area. And I was at one of my, uh, my partner's uh, company's tailgates. And I turn around and someone has poked me on the shoulder. And it is Caitlin Collins from CNN asking me to take her family photo because apparently her family has connections to this company that my partner works at and i take her family photo just kind of a surreal moment and then i get to talking to her and she's very sweet um she didn't ask me any questions on like trying to i don't know out me as a secret conservative or anything we just talked about how the state has changed but i talked to her uncle for a little bit and he said that he kind of gave me an indication that she is leaving 
the uh, the White House beat and is moving to New York to get a show. And with the rumors about Acosta coming out, I kind of put two and two together. So with that, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on, you know, I have my own thoughts on Collins, of course. Um, I appreciate anyone coming from the state of Alabama who isn't a bumbling idiot. Um, well, I'm, but... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot. I'm going to shoot that down right now. She is going to be the co-host in the morning show with Don Lamont uh, and well, uh, shit. someone else. But she, they they just announced like it's th- it's this morning with CNN or Good Morning Got with it. CNN or whatever. Uh, and they just announced that show title today, saying it was going to be big and bold. Well, it's not. It's already not that big and bold. Um, it's going to be dumb and dull. It, it's Caitlin Collins and it's uh, Poppy Harlow. Uh, it's going to be CNN's version of Fox and Friends, essentially, where they have three or four hosts and they're all going to sit around and uh, give you a sunshine enema to start your day and or start you off, in Don Lamont's case, pissed off and raging, which is where CNN always wants you. So I hate to shoot yeah, you down no, there. I mean, um, we'll know. John Nequaza from Mediate said he will – they might know – Friday, who this person is. And I, as I've said, I have two names. I think it's probably Jim Shuto, uh, who was on leave anyway, but I think it's also a possibility that Acosta is getting, getting the boot, but we'll. And that's not a surprise. That's, I mean, what are your thoughts on Collins at all? Um, just, I, just to me, she just seems like your classic CNN kind of just fraud, but she's, I mean, you know, people aren't always there online persona she was very nice to me um i was kind of cautious with my words but she seemed you know nothing but pleasant um uh i think people like collins or oliver darcy kirsten powers or se cup uh played off the emotions of a conservative audience to elevate their careers to cnn where they then abandoned all of those People forget Oliver Darcy started at Campus Reform. He was the guy who would go around and shove a microphone in college students' faces and ask them about Obamacare without saying that it's Obamacare. So they'd say, hey, how do you feel about old people paying for other people's health or paying for health care? And students would go, oh, that's bad. And they go, are you Obama supporter? And they go, yeah. And he go, well, that's Obamacare. And then they do it in a, a dumpy music bum, 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 or whatever. That's how Oliver Darcy started. And he then moved to the Blaze, uh, where he he kind of worked uh, on some stories about some kind of conservative-style grifters like C.J. Pearson and a few others. But for the most part, you know, had conservative values, believed in free speech, and uh, or he, he, he at least tried to claim to. And then he jumped to CNN, where he became one of the leading uh, guys of online censorship for CNN, including going after Alex Jones, which is a whole topic we're not going into. But uh, when Jeff Zucker took over CNN, he basically plucked a bunch of people he thought were right-leaning, that were critical of Trump, and that he could use as kind of, because there's nothing more the media likes than someone on the who is on the political right or conservative that bashes other conservatives, and especially if they're uh, pro-Trump. And I've mentioned that I, I had media outlets approach me uh, that were on the left, if I would work for them or if I would write for them. And uh, I just said, well, I'm not going to just be your attack dog to go after pro-Trump conservatives. And that was the end of the conversation. So Collins is in that uh, that group. Now, Collins, if you recall, was at the Daily Caller. She had to apologize when she was hired. They unearthed a bunch of her old tweets. Well, Daily Caller, she had to kind of do the Chinese struggle section 
and apologized for those. And that's when she moved to the White House, uh, where again, she, you know, she had her tangles with McEnany and Spicer, or whatever. Um, so I wouldn't say she's the worst person at CNN, but she is part of that group that did use the passions of conservative media and the passions of people in the political right to elevate their career to a national level. And so for the, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have a ton of respect for those people. I don't, to say, I don't, I don't have a ton of respect to play off your, your political passions, your beliefs, political media. You know, when you get up and you read something that pisses you off because you're pro-life or pro-gun or whatever, and journalists and writers and commentators exploit that in you. And I, and I try to help people see that and see, and show you who those people are and how they're manipulating you and and why they're doing it. So uh, if I if I ever get to that point, whatever, you, you can, you know, hunt me down and, and kill my dogs or whatever. But like I said, she is in that group of people that did join CNN in the Zucker era to prove that explicit point, to show you, hey, here's a concern, here's a person who's in conservative media, and now they're showing you how bad conservative media is. And as I've said, their problem is, and CNN's problem is, it's not really a conservative media anymore. There's, you know, there's this site over here, and then there's this site over here, and over here you got Breitbart, and over here you got Dispatch, and over here you got National Review, and over here's The Blaze, and over here's kind of Spectator. But there is no, like, real conservative media ecosystem anymore. Um, and that's also a topic that I'd love to get into someday. Yeah. Th- thanks, Stephen. I just want to get your thoughts on that. And it was a crazy day in Tuscaloosa. I also bumped into our Senate candidate, Katie Britt, and I um, had met her a couple of times and we talked for a second and then re- immediately realized that it was Kellyanne Conway standing right next to her. So I was running into the, Pop- the, popular, the, the third circle you should of hell. Have had, you should have walked her over to Caitlin Collins and, and had them shake hands uh, no, and a good well, conversation. That would have been um, me turning into the uh, the Elmo and Hell gif, um, just trying to start as much shit as possible. But uh, I thought better of myself. Uh, I always encourage starting as much shit as possible. So, right. o- Opie, thanks. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, I'm going to bump Zach up because Zach was my other one from, from last week. Uh, Zach, thoughts on Fetterman? Um, I know you have health challenges, so I don't know how uh, that would feed into what you would have to say. No, I, I was saying that now that you can't bring up any health issues, I'm I'm going to run for Congress. I mean, they'll defend me no matter what I say, so all journalists should be sent to Gitmo. Oh, well, it's just his health, you know. Yeah, we can't, you can't, you can't punch back on him. He's got cancer. That's right. That's right. So, um, I, so I do, you, I do think you're going to see an element of this where, as we saw in the one thing you, you helped remind me was, uh, the BuzzFeed article that wrote up the criticism of this. Now, remember, there's there's not so much. We saw AP, we saw The Hill now, we saw other news networks, now we saw BuzzFeed criticize her in the interview, not not him and saying, well, yeah, why don't you release their health records? They defended the candidate to go after her. And BuzzFeed went so far to say that uh, questions about his health will lead to uh, violence against disabled people. And the notion there is that they're going to see this interview, they're going to see her ask a question of Fetterman about his health records or his fitness, and someone is going to see this and get so enraged at her or at him uh, that they are going to leave their house, walk out on the street, go find someone at like the grocery store in the wheelie carts and just beat the shit out of them. That's what they're surmising here. Um, and that, as we know, is a way of how they shut down debate. Uh, you're going to get trans 
kids killed. You're going to get uh, gay people killed. You're going to get blacks killed. Although this never works in reverse. We never hear the criticism of Herschel Walker and his abortion politics is going to get black people killed. And we don't hear that, you know, attacks on Dr. Oz are going to get Muslims killed. Um, This is their way of stifling debate and trying to get you to shut up and say, well, this is a death threat. And where I've said that this possibly goes and I don't have information on this, it's pure speculation, but it's also experience with Twitter and being online, is that you might start to see Twitter accounts get suspended uh, over hate speech on disabilities uh, for bringing up Fetterman's health. That is one that will not shock me one bit. Uh, It wouldn't me either. I mean, uh, remember the entire learn to code thing came about because when coal miners in West Virginia were complaining that um, if Democrats won, uh, they would be out of a job. And, you know, these are people who are typically too young to retire and too old to start over. And journalists were like, well, the world's changing. They should just learn to code. And though when you started seeing media layoffs and People were saying, well, I guess you should learn to code. All of a sudden, that became hate speech on Twitter to tell a journalist. That that uh, got that got it. spread as hate speech by Talia Levin from The New Yorker, who was fired over calling a veteran's tattoo an iron cross and accusing him of being a Nazi. She was the one who co-opted their terminology to say it was an alt-right thing that was spreading and uh, I think I don't know where she is now, but I know she's out there in the universe, probably for Media Matters or something. Um, but that's how that basically started. And that was something that came from basically the Obama administration, where it was either John Kerry or Obama that was like, oh, I was dumb to learn to code. And journalists adopted that because they wanted to be cool with Obama. They were down with Obama because of. Obama. Um, yeah, yeah. But and so I, I see this kind of going the the same way and that you're right uh people will start getting um suspended or or banned for saying something about um fetterman's uh, it it absolutely will not shock me to to see someone like taylor lorenz or ben collins pick this up and say pushback on Fetterman's stroke is a coordinated disinformation campaign by people like me and others who that they always go after and whatever. And uh, they, they do this every single time. And the hope is that they contact Twitter and say, hey, this guy, you know, called Fetterman a giant retard or whatever, or he called him, he said he had a brain full of mashed potatoes. And this is ableist language that's going to get handicapped people killed. I, I guarantee that's where they're going to take. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I agree with you. And uh, one last thing, I know you, uh, you said something about uh, Herschel Walker's son selling uh, merchandise. That was That's all I thought. Pretty, when, uh, thank God. That's uh, all I, I, when this kid was on Twitter, I just, this, there's certain personalities I just see. Like, you just know, like I said, we talked about last time, what they're up to. And, like, I, I discovered this kid a while, and he talks about being uncanceled. And uh, you can't cancel me. We're free speech. And I saw, of course, like the you know, the Jack Posobiec right? And those people pick him up and be like, yeah, here, he's a good-looking young black. We need him speaking for us or whatever. And the first time I saw this kid and then I clicked on his thing, uh, or, or he kind of, when he turned on dad, basically, um, 
and the, he blew up in the media. Suddenly, he was a useful tool to hit Herschel Walker over, um, which, again, I'm, I'm fine with, but this is a family drama playing out. And then I go and I click on his link, and he has an entire merch line that says canceled across it. And I, I, have, I just started, as I shit you not, crying, laughing. I'm like, there you guys went. The fucking political right fell for another one. And now this guy is just going to be one of those characters that's around now. And it's, it's funny how both the right and the left, especially on social media, just collect these new characters. It's like, it's like a new person coming into the house and say, meet this new cast member. And I was just like, fuck, I can't believe that this is a kid that we have to deal with now. Like, it's just another, another one in, in the house. But go ahead. Um, well, I was going to say that, um, I'm about to release some merchandise. Um, I'm about to start selling cancer blankets. So if you remember smallpox blankets, it's oh, like good. that, only with uh, cancer. So <laughs> anybody you don't like, it's a perfect gift. Are you going to put that in? If you want to put that in comments, and uh, we, we can we can do your cancer blankets. That would be that would be great. You could just do hoodies and sweats that just say cancered down them. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I was thinking more of like a um you know, I don't know what the laws on selling like diseased blankets are. I imagine it's probably frowned upon. But I mean, I have stage four cancer, so a life sentence isn't really that big a deterrent anymore. So I might as well get rich while I can. Or die trying. Or die trying. So, so anyway, no, that's all I had. It was, um, yeah, watching them trip over themselves to defend, um, you know, shotgun Frankenstein, who even before the stroke, he was a giant retard. So, like, that hasn't changed. It's just now he can't <laughs> understand words. Yeah, that's what I thought watching this. I was like, I don't see someone humanized. Like, he's he's still just the same giant lying jackass he just has harder time getting the lies out of his mouth through his brain and out of his mouth the the one about she did question him about the shotgun incident and he was like oh they, they, just, they forgave me for that dr oz's house abortion inflammation and i was just like fuck and then of course he just he couldn't he could not answer the question about his medical records uh, satisfactory. He just couldn't do it. He just said, I-, I believe I've been transparent. And she's like, well, you haven't done this. We released a letter. That was six months ago. I re-released a letter. <laughs> and I just, you see this happening. I'm like, no, this doesn't humanize him. It might imprint where they cut out the pauses and they cut out the us and the ers, which is their goal. Uh, but uh, this interview was a huge, catastrophic miscalculation on his part and their part. And I think they thought they were going to get a softball and it was part of Puff Peace Week, and now they have a possibly campaign-ending uh, in their hands. And the thing was, was it, it basically was a softball interview. I mean, she didn't ask him anything that you wouldn't expect to be asked. It's just uh, he, you know, the the language chip inside his brain isn't working, and so he stumbled all over himself and turned what was a softball interview into a complete disaster. I mean, it's uh, it's the Howard Dean scream all over again. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Uh, Zach, take care of yourself. I'm going to kind of try to skip through the line here. So hopefully uh, we'll, we'll see you next week or Saturday. So uh, I'm going to kind of just go through order now. So just saying thanks for being patient on that. Like I said, I know I bumped the people. Go ahead. Hey, uh, go Avs, go America. Um, they started out great. That was a fun game. That was. That was. Um, Live while I'm muted, I'm sitting here looking for a a YouTube channel that streams the one right now for my monitor. But I am paying attention. You do, you guys do have. No No worries. Uh, Just uh, just a comment on something Zach said. uh, uh, With an R next to your to your name, or just not a D next to your name, if you had plantar fasciitis, that would make you unfit for the office because you couldn't go up the you know the the house steps or something. You know, it's a completely different ball game when, you know, as far as, uh, you know, what your, uh, diet, uh, you know, your, your disability could be. Um, as far as like, uh, CNN, I, I'm really pulling for Jake Tapper to get the ax. I don't wish for anybody to get, to get ever fired, but if I had to pick, you know, if I got a choice for what CNN mouthpiece goes next, it would definitely be that inauthentic, smug, Matt Lauer-esque. Jake Tapper, but that's just me. Uh, that's not going to happen. They're going to move. They moved him to prime time, and the reports are yeah. that Chris Lick kind of just he wants to make him kind of the face of the network. Uh, but I'm kind of with you. If you're trying to clean out the Jeff Zucker era, he might do it in a less Acosta-like version. But this this last man in journalism act, uh, I think, grew thin with a lot of people when the Parkland all happened. And I and I thought he was a a, pia, a piece of shit before long before that I, I you know I in my in my uh, vocation I have to deal with uh, smug sociopaths all day so you know I can spot one from a mile away so when I see one like Jake Tapper I'm like this guy is actually the real piece piece of shit and you know all all that uh, Acosta is is just a, a dumb a dumbass you know what I mean like it's it's two different you know like you know watch your back around Jake Tapper is my point. Um, as far as Spetterman, uh, what I don't understand is I thought he got a stroke because he was diagnosed with something like atrial fibrillation or, or something. And, and anyway, he didn't like go to the doctor or set anything up and then it led to a stroke. And now we're here. And my point is, is all this other jazz aside, why would you, why would you even want to push a guy, uh, in, you know, in the forefront of this, who, who clearly makes crap decisions you know about his own health you know what i mean so it's it, well you know, that's the, that's the qu- that's the million dollar question why why when he had the stroke did they advise him to not drop out including his family um which is basically you're, you're pretty much right that he was he was diagnosed originally with uh fib- atrial fibrillation cardiomyopathy and 2017 and then he didn't he, he basically was just such a lazy fat fuck that he stopped taking his medication he didn't schedule follow-up appointments he just kind of walked out of there and that was it and sure. then he had because of his condition he didn't take his medications he wasn't following he, he had a stroke last year they had to go in and they had i think they had to put a stint in his heart uh because of it and then of course he has a quado growing on the back of his neck and um of course the brain the, the cognitive brain function which took him completely off the campaign trail. I think that he was in the hospital when he won the primary. Yeah. And so I think they looked at that and said, well, you won the primary, so let's just drag your ass across. And I genuinely think that that's what around him, including his wife, 
who to me is really looks like she's running things here. And mm-hmm. I, I really question why that yeah. is. Uh, Do- but when Jill I say that she looks like she's running things, it looks like she's running things in ways that like Dr. Jill Biden isn't running yeah. things even. Uh, yeah. She is very, very controlling over his appearances. And uh, as I said, shielding him over, over uh, questions. She uh, her, herself appeared on pods, like the live Pod Save America, whatever. And so there's, it looks to me like there's some ambition there. I'll, I'll just sh- sort of say that. But the, you asked the question, which is why, why push this guy? You know what his health is. You know what his cognitive ability is. You know the risk of putting this kind of stress on him and his body and his mind heading into a campaign, which he could end up winning. And then now you're a U.S. senator, not exactly the least stressful job in the world. And I just I don't have the answer for you. I, and that's kind of where people like me and people will get accused of being control, control uh, sorry, uh, concern trolling. That's the stroke, by the way, um, which is where we say that we're like, this guy should be at home. He should be re- recuperating, recovering and taking care of his family because he does have kids. And that's kind of the problem here is when he says that. You know, I'll fight for all of the Americans who aren't healthy. This is a guy who simply looks like he could not take care of himself. And he didn't have people around that were willing to take, say, hey, look, this isn't worth it. This is not worth your health. Well, yes, it is. I want to do it. And uh, OK, Frankenstein wants to do it. Open the gates. And that's kind of how I look at it. And it's it's it to me, it's a shame. It's dangerous. And uh I I foresee and I'm kind of predicting a not so great outcome uh, for him in the near future. Uh, you know, fingers. Oh, oh, oh I, I get what you, I thought you meant for the uh, actual election. Um, I'm saying the election, whether he wins or loses is to yeah. me completely arbitrary yeah. to uh, health, what yeah. looks like is going to be a not good outcome for, for him. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, a couple thoughts on that. I mean, you know, as far as not campaigning goes, our president didn't did not campaign, and you know he's president. So hey, if you can if you can not campaign and they can carry the water for you and carry you across the line, then eh, you know what's it? You know why not Fetterman? Yeah, there's an and element then, uh, of that. Far- there's an element of that to it that uh, Biden was able to kind of do it. I mean, with Biden, we don't have an official prognosis with him. We, you have people who look at this and go, "Man, something oh, something's going on with phase. this guy." But we don't we don't have an official diagnosis for Biden. We we yeah. we don't we don't know if there was an event that happened to him or whatever. They're keeping it in the dark or, or what have you. So we can obviously speculate that he's not the same guy he was even six years ago or whatever. If this is just age or if he has a condition uh, with Fetterman, you know, you have a guy who's what like in his he's what, 55, 60 or whatever. He he had a diagnosis. He had a stroke that we all know about. And of course, now we see that he can barely uh, string five words together without the assistance of a robot. So we all know where that came from. We can all see it. Um, But there's just, yeah, there's, um, I think that they're completely different situations. With Biden, we obviously see it and just go, fuck. Um, But with Fetterman, you know, he's sitting there with with a speech assistance machine. And even with that, trying to tell you that he just, he, he's hard of hearing and he, and whatever. And then he reads the answers and then he still cannot process the question that he just read. He still has trouble, you know, putting a coherent answer together. And that's the thing I noticed is with this interview, nobody's talking about his answers on policy. 
I don't think I've heard him ever talk about policy. He talks about Dr. Oz's houses and uh, living next to a steel mill and uh, in Washington for unions and whatever. Uh, we know he's just kind of a rubber stamp for Bernie Sanders, and that's all yeah. it is. Other than his nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about that coming out of this interview. So uh, just say, I'll give you one more. Uh, go ahead and wrap. Well, up. my last my last one is this. Then uh, the last time I was on, I said, you know, hey everybody, keep your mitts off my governor. And then you go and you tweet that photo of him behind the presidency and try to troll everybody. And I'm like, well, I thought we I thought we had an understanding. <laughs> that is, you you need to take that up with the Bidens who just thought that was a smart idea to 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 roll out the presidential seal for the the you know their most antagonistic governor. And give him the photo op of standing behind that and everyone just going, good job, Joe. And then Joe's standing behind him looking kind of like, huh? And then, of course, there's Nikki Freed in the background, which not a lot of people pointed out, but I also thought was kind of funny. So you can blame that one. All right. Well, versus media, let's ride. God damn it. <laughs> I was so glad that wasn't part of the abs banner raising last night. I'm just like, don't do let's ride, please. Faye. Uh, good to hear from you in a while. Go ahead. Good evening, Stephen. I just want to apologize for my voice first. I have a cold, so not not exactly uh, voice beautiful tonight. That's okay. It's, it's, um, the, it's the theme of the podcast. <laughs> so I have one prediction and three comments about this this whole sort of insane chapter of politics. Uh, this prediction, and I'm, I'm making these comments with the concurrence of my father who grew up in Pennsylvania, that it is a garbage state and he will probably win. I, I would not be surprised if that happens. Um, three general comments that I have. One is that I'm sort of mystified as to where we are. And I'm, that doesn't easily happen with politics, but it's not only that people don't have a problem with the fact that we have someone with clear brain damage running. Um, you're the bad person for, you know, maybe pointing out this might be a problem. And I swear by the time this is over, all the news stories will be about how this is a good thing. You know, it makes him more empathetic or whatever. It's this weaponization of victimhood, like to the extreme, extreme. Uh, and it's just, you know, joking aside, besides the fact that it blows my mind, much like his is blown, apparently. Um, that people, not just people in the media or politics, but there are, you know, average people on the left who are totally fine with this idea of having like a puppet leader. You know, it doesn't matter anymore who they are as long as they're on your side and they can be used to vote. That's okay with them. And nobody should be okay with that, regardless of what your politics are. I don't want that for either side. Uh, but that seems to be where we are. <clears throat> the second thing is that I have uh, a lot of compassion for poor Dasha at NBC. And I don't want to sound too much like a conspiracy theorist, but I sort of wonder if she was set up as the sacrificial lamb here. Um, she is a very young journalist and sort of new in her career to have been allowed to do this interview. This is an important race for the um, for everyone, for both sides, but this is a really important race. And for her to be allowed to do this interview just makes me wonder, you know, did they want to do something to have someone who could sort of be the warning for anyone else to try to do it? Um, and the pile up on her is just awful to watch. I and mean, she's, I don't know what kind of person she is, but she was doing her actual job as a journalist. And instead of defending her people, the same people who defended and kind of put Taylor Lorenz up on a pedestal for doxing rando accounts, um, are, are just jumping on her. And I guess what happened to that concern for the free and open press from the Trump time? 
Um, and I guess my third and last comment on this is this has been interesting for me sort of professionally. I think I've mentioned before, I work in, in politics now for a federal agency in the congressional and regulatory affairs area. But more years ago than I care to cop to, my educational and history and early career was actually in neuroscience. So um, my PhD was in the area of auditory processing, funnily enough, which is, I think, the original thing they were going for, auditory processing in adults. And so things like auditory processing and aphasia, which is now I see the new thing they've latched onto, are not really diagnoses. They're kind of diagnoses of exclusion, if that makes sense. It's a way to describe a symptom cluster. Um, so you have auditory processing, which is sort of a way to explain how people are understanding and comprehending and the issues they're having there. And then aphasia is a way to describe problems with word retrieval or word processing, some kind of dysfunction. Um, but because this is a diffuse nature, as your neurosurgeon commenter noted, you can't fix it. Um, and certainly in the work I did just from a research standpoint in um, meeting with adults who had auditory processing, some because of unknown etiology, some because of the baseline to kind of measure against, without getting into the details too much, is because of things like um, a stroke, which I appear to be having at the moment. So because you can see clearly where that damage is coming from. But no matter the cause, it doesn't heal entirely. That just doesn't happen. You can't have surgery. There's no really like medicine. The only thing that helps somebody accommodate functionally is lots and lots of targeted therapy. Um, and certainly when you have an incident like this, almost immediately after, you would normally expect to see literally regular daily intensive therapy. Um, and even then, usually you don't see 100% recovery. And the idea is that for people who are returning to the workforce, the therapists and, and career counselors are working with them to find a career that's best suited to the new challenges they're facing. That's not discrimination. It's It's good functional assistance. So... Just going to close with a personal anecdote. About five or six weeks ago, I had a, an accident. I had a hand injury. My car door slammed at high velocity on my right index finger. Um, and I had to have emergency surgery. And for the first two weeks, I couldn't do anything, couldn't move it at all. And then I went back to my surgeon to try to say, okay, like when, when can I start using it again? I, you know, I have all these things to do. Like I just wasn't taking it, I guess, on board how long it would take. And he looked at me in the eye and said, do you want to get full function of your hand back or do you want to promise for the rest of your life? Um, because if, unless you want that, you need to make therapy your full-time job. So basically for the past four or five weeks, I've been working very minimally and therapy is my main job. I do it every single day, occupational therapy. And this is just a hand injury. So just with, with that and with the, the history that I have educationally and knowing how you would normally treat someone, um, it's, it, I would call it medical malpractice at best, what's being allowed to happen to him. But the people in his life who are enabling this do not care about it, him. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I, I mean, that the point there, I mean, there's people around him that are close to him who clearly don't care th about that. Um, you would hope that all that time he spent off the campaign trail <clears throat> would be occupational therapies, relearning stuff, whatever. But is he? My, that's my question: Is is he going to be doing this while he's in the Senate? When he has to be doing other things? Um, this, this this is a guy who is going to be reading intelligence briefings. He's maybe going to be trying to be on committees. Um, I, I noted, at I think it was Dwayne Patterson from a, a Hugh Hewitt show or whatever, noted that he misheard her question 
in a yes or no format. And he answered no and then kind of caught himself. And then he goes, oh, no, yes, I'll be. This is a guy who votes by voice. Is Does he accidentally vote the wrong way? Or someone then noted that McConnell would totally take advantage of that and just, like, speed up the vote. <laughs> <laughs> he should. Which, I mean, of course, if you, if you saw him do it, you would just see journals going nuclear on Twitter. The point about Dasha Burns, and by the way, while we've been on here, uh, tomorrow on today's show, Dasha Burns exclusive interview with the GOP nominee for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz. So they gave her another crack, and I thought she was going to be apologizing. Uh, when I saw her interviewing, I'm like, she's young. I think she's 29 or 30. You're right. I, I, I have never seen her before uh, as a correspondent. Uh, apparently, she's been on the ground in Pennsylvania. And so uh, I don't think she was set up. I think that they chose her because they thought that she would be a softball interviewer, a young 29-year-old NBC. She's an MSNBC uh, analyst as well. She works on NBC Nightly News. NBC is a progressive news network hiding behind a cute peacock logo. And I think that they chose her specifically thinking that she was just going to come in and be like, how are you feeling? Can you just tell us, tell us about you? And, you know, she notes that this is a guy who has real struggles and he 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 did not seem to understand what I was saying to him until it was going through the transcriber program on his computer. And that's where they all went apeshit. That's where they went. Oh, fuck. Like she's basically saying this guy cannot understand a conversation without the assistance of, you know, an iPad around his neck or whatever. So I don't think she was set up. I think the campaign specifically chose her thinking you have a young, naive, uh, ambitious reporter who's going to give us a good interview and her career will be better for it. And then she'll be doing the rounds. And yes, you know, he, it's so great to watch him, you know, like when we see these interviews and I, I don't think she sprung anything on him that wasn't fair. I've watched it and I went the medical records. She pushed him on it and just said, look, you're not really answering here. Um, and I think they keep, they caught her or caught him off guard with how kind of on point she was. Um, I mean, there's questions I would have pushed him more on. And, and you know, but she, I think for the most part, she was pretty fair to the guy. And you're seeing this absolute nuclear meltdown happen because you have a Democrat candidate that that just got the littlest bit of pushback. And journalists are not used to, I mean, the, the one, the left is not used to that in general, but especially in the Twitter age, you're all supposed to be on one team. And she deviated just a little bit. And like I said, if he loses, she will be, you know, the one who's burned at the stake, unquestionably. And, and I said that that's, that's why they didn't report on stories with Joe Biden like this in the in the 2020 election, because we all had the but her emails thing where they all blame the reporting on the emails at the New York Times or whatever. And that's what cost Hillary the election. No, her emails were baked in. There was nothing in those emails that was really controversial. Uh, it was the idea that she could flaunt, you know, pri you know, Freedom of Information Act laws and, and transparency laws. And all it did was rebake the image of Hillary Clinton, that this is someone who uh, is a crook. She goes around. She does not obey laws. And we don't want to deal with four years of investigations of her. Um, the reason Hillary lost is because she avoided the state of Wisconsin for 104 days. And so that's what this was about. It's no reporter can report on a Democrat on a story that's good, that they think is going to cost them the House or the Senate or the presidency. And this is what they think happened in this case when she, everything she asked was fair. 
And it was where Fetterman's actual condition with no smoke and mirrors, there was no Zoom conference, there was no video, it was no editing, it was no editing out his ums and errs or, or, or stammers in print. This is who this guy is. And they probably still edited it in his favor. And that's why you're seeing the flip out there. They see like, oh, shit, this guy's condition is laid bare. Hurry up and tell everyone he's just. It's, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I will just say in terms of the therapy, a quick closing comment. Um, and again, I'm just going from my experiences, but I was kind of laughing to myself because when I started, one of the first things they had me do is something that you see to- literally toddlers do when they learn coordination. I have like, you know, little buckets with little beads that I have to take in and out. And you're, you're basically teaching your hand to do things all over again when they're that damaged. And the brain is no different when you have a stroke and you have damage um, to language and word retrieval like that. You would typically start at, um, you'd have things like you have these little cards. A speech therapist will sit there with, you know, pictures and the words underneath because you're trying to remap or reform those connections. It's very basic and something that stroke victims struggle with a lot, even if it's not with the severe stroke is they feel, cause they feel it, you know, they're cognitively aware enough to know that, Hey, I'm doing something that my, my kid was doing when they were learning basic vocabulary, but that's the level you start at. So, and then you build up from there. So to think that they should be doing something like this, but instead they're, you know, throwing him into the Senate race. It's, it's really, it's mind blowing. Yeah. This is the, this is the guy who's going to be reading intelligence briefings. <laughs> classified classified information and little you know, pictures like of like said, people shooting guns and setting off bombs. Yeah, is he is he just never going to answer a question? What you know, you know, when they're walking through the Senate hall or the House and they stick a camera, is he just going to ignore? And reporters are going to go, "Ah, that's just the stroke." Um, I mean, and he could totally play off that, like kind of like Michael J. Fox and uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where he just plays off of his condition. No, can't answer the question. Stroke. Um, but the, the fact that they find this acceptable is I've never seen anything like this. I do I, wonder. I've never, I've never seen them circle the wagons. And I've been around since Obama to in this manner over something where they are literally telling you not to believe your eyes and ears that it's just a speech. It, he's just deaf. And like Charles Cook put it, this is the new Biden stutter that nope, it's just a stutter, <laughs> yes. you know, whatever. And, now you're going to see the sympathetic pieces about it and whatever. So it's 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 something like I said. I've never I've not seen this level of they actually think they can get away with this right out in the open and just do this. And uh, but they're trying, uh, and we'll see if it works. So I have one last quick question, um, which I can pick offline. Do you think it's possible? And part of it is I don't. I'm not up on the Pennsylvania laws on this. That they just want to get him across the finish line. Um, but then do a bait and switch and have someone else in there. Oh, you know, he needs to, yes. uh, to take time. Like maybe that's the play here. I think it is because uh, it does look like Shapiro's probably going to win. And I, I don't think that that's the play. I think it's a greater than 60% possibility that they are considering that and that that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, they have to know and, he can't do four years. Like I mean, Six years. It's a, six it's, years. I'm sorry. You're right. Yes. Well, but I've, I've talked about this and it would not surprise me that he steps down with the agreement that his wife is. Yeah. Made. I was going to say the Mrs. Okay. Lady Macbeth. Um, I've said it. Wings. I know it's, I know, you know, people could clip this and it'd be a conspiracy theory or whatever. Um, but 
like I said, if you see her demeanor on the campaign, she's always standing with him. She's, you know, kind of there coaching him on a little bit and she's always protective of him. And now she's going on Pod Save America and she, she has kind of the, you know, the pinup hipster girl aesthetic and she's young. And so she's charming. She's got the smile and she's pretty. And um, we talked about this a few podcasts ago and they said Shapiro is kind of a moderate guy that he, he would be much more inclined to actually appoint someone like Connor Lamb, for instance, or an establishment person in Pennsylvania. Um, but they might cut a deal and Fetterman will say, look, I'll step down now that, now that we're across and maybe in a few months and next year, I'll admit I can't do the job, but you're going to give my wife the seat. And it, uh, it wouldn't shock me one bit. And I swear to God, we're going to clip this and come back to it here in about a year. And I'm going to look like a fucking prophet. Did she go on me? Did, she, did her finger hey. fall off? No, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think there's a, I think there's a, there's a decent chance they've cut that where they've either met with Shapiro or whatever. Cause I don't think Mastriano is going to pull it out. Um, and they've said that and said, you, you can replace me once we're, once we win. Uh, but I'm going to, you're going to replace it with Giselle or someone of his picking. And then Shapiro could see, he could say no or yes, but you know, that's not how politics works. So yeah. we'll see. Thank you. All right. Kerfuffle We should be able to get through everyone. Uh, I'm going to end, I'm going to try to end at Damon. Um, who is a good follow and everyone knows on Twitter. So I want to get to him. We're, we're going to try here. So, Hi. Um, to tell the truth, Sam and Faye already got the gist of what I was going to say, which is um, he could have prevented this stroke, quite likely. And the fact that he failed to says a lot about him as a person. Um, so what I'll say also is he had this tweet about must be lucky to, you know, must be great to yeah. be healthy and rich. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know, Dr. Oz didn't just wake up healthy and rich. He he works every single day so hard, so hard. I mean, he works kind of three jobs. Um, he's granted, you know, God gave him the capacity to be very intelligent, to be healthy. He got a lot of genetic luck, but he used it to 101%. And not everybody does. And this whole idea that, you know, must be nice, I'm going to speak Personally, I have a relative that I have sort of partial responsibility for who was uh, very attractive, very healthy, spent their youth doing drugs, and now, you know, is, I would say that Keith Richards, they hoped they would be Keith Richards, but Keith Richards is a little more durable. And so they use a cane and they are on a lot of medication and, you know, they think, oh, I must be lucky to be healthy. And I'm like, have you paid attention to the last 40 years of your life? You know, and that's the situation that we've got with this guy as well. Yeah, so, I, and that, um, this is a tweet that to me changed everything. I mean, you saw pollsters and some pundits who kind of track this stuff basically say, this is the first time I think Fetterman's going to lose. When his campaign took that tone, it was completely different than everything. Because remember, the whole tone has been Fetterman's funny. He's fine. He's well. Yeah, he's not really campaigning, but he just has a stroke. He needs to rest and whatever. And then we saw his condition laid to bear. We saw him refuse to release his medical records. And now the tone of the campaign is he does have a stroke, but he's willing and able to do the job. 
and you're seeing his wife take this tone now. And yeah, this this tweet was this was one where everyone just said that really. And I, I, I cater, and I know Dr. Oz has the celebrity problems and things like that. But you're right, this is a guy who was an actual fucking. I think he was. I think he was a cardiac uh, orthopedic doctor, and this is a guy who you're right. He kind of rose to his position. And I mean, the easy answer to this is whose life would you have rather had to this point? Must be nice is John Fetterman not holding a job until he was almost 50, getting a house from his rich parents, living off an allowance, um, and and so forth. And so that tweet comes off completely tone deaf because I think more people would probably want Fetterman's life overall where, you know, you are a lazy fat ass for 49 years of your life until it's, oh, I'm going to run for mayor now. Yeah, I don't think most people want that. I think most people would rather have a life of achievement rather than a life of, you know, Grubhub delivery. You know what I mean? Um, the other thing but is he li- that... I mean, um, he lived in relative wealth. That's the thing. Dr. Oz accumulated his wealth and he, and he acquired his houses. Fetterman just lived off his family's wealth. That's yeah, but it wasn't for. wealth. It was sort of like good enough. I mean, even though his family gave him, you know, a place to live, it was a $70,000 place to live, you know, and you look at the fabulous places that you can imagine Dr. Oz must live and they're much more nice. And then Dr. Oz on top of that, every day he has the satisfaction of going in and, you know, making people's lives better. I mean, I would rather be Dr. Oz. You know, wouldn't you? Uh, I mean, yeah, probably uh, in the long run. Yeah, I mean, he's got a life of achievement. It's very satisfying. I wouldn't want to be known for, like, hocking sugar, you know, fake sugar medications, but that's a completely different story. Um, Yeah, I don't know know him from TV, though. Susan, what are you you cooking for the room right now? Oh, I'm going to roast carrots. I'm sorry that you can hear that. Um, (laughs) So, I'm answering some people in the in the comments. They're like, "What is she making?" Yeah, I'll right stop now? chopping. You can um, you can keep going. It's fine. Okay. The other thing, though, is you know between him and Katie Hobbs, and um, you know here in Portland, uh, we've got Tina Kotick, who's a disaster, who's quite possibly going to lose, despite our being you know a Democrat machine state. Um, I think that the Democrats have really reached the age of like you know the Roman Empire the age of Caligula nominating his horse to the Senate, they have this idea that they can literally nominate a corpse and get away with it because they did it once and they're like, oh, we can keep doing this. And I think they even get satisfaction about nominating like really bad candidates and dragging them across the finish line. I think that it's sort of a humiliation that they impose that gives them satisfaction. Uh, Possibly. I, I think it's a calculated move to not debate and the problem is is i think that this ultimately always backfires always um because people just are inherent i mean voters are very simple people they usually have one or two or three issues and then they look at a candidate's character or a candidate's posture and if a candidate's like i'm not going to debate you people naturally just go why and as i said with carrie lake uh not you know not one of my personal favorites and as i've said she is extremely charismatic in how she says what she says. And she's very smart with media and politics because she was an anchor. She comes from that world. She comes from 20 years of being in that world. So she knows how to play these stunts off. And um, as I said, Katie, I, I, I'm not, I, these aren't races I'm paying strict attention to, but 
uh, Katie Hobbs to me just kind of looks like a mess of a candidate. And I don't know if they're doing it on purpose, but you are seeing a actual, I think, strategy where I'm not going to debate Carrie Lake and I'm not going to, and John Fred, I'm not going to debate Oz, except I would think Hobbs is doing it as a gamble of you're an election denier and I'm not going to be seen on the same stage with you. And of course, Fetterman is doing it because he knows he can't get through three two hour long debates. It's that simple. And all of his people know that. Um, what I can tell you for Oregon is the only reason that I think Tina Kotek did show up for a debate is it's a three-way race. And she knew that no matter what, there was going to be a debate between the other two and how bad it would look if she didn't show up. The fact is she showed up incredibly unprepared. She was worse than Kamala Harris. If you watch the, I think I posted a link in one of your reply threads. Um, it was it was really bad. It was like embarrassing. It made you wince to watch her. Um, a lot of um, uh, uh, like she just didn't know the material. It was as if they were giving their thesis presentations and she was sort of showing up to give a book report. It was it was really bad. So um, I I do feel like as much as Mitch McConnell was complaining about you know candidate quality with. Um, not getting McCormick in Pennsylvania and not getting uh, whoever Herschel Walker was running against. I, there's worse campaign, worse candidate quality on the Democrat side, like really bad. And they have, they have, and it's a cliche, but they have the red wave ear looking at staring right at them. Um, and I mean, like every election, I'm not an election prognosticator, but inflation is not going to go away and it's going to get worse in the next three to four weeks. And I think we get one more report before the vote drops and they can, you know, blame Saudi Arabia for this all they want, but people aren't buying it. And, um, generally what happens with these way with midterms is you get three or four races that you weren't expecting to go. And then you get one or two that eke through. So Hobbs could eke through, but I think Kerry Lake is up plus three right now based on RCP's average. Um, so that's good. And that you're also seeing a lot of ticket splitting. So Kerry Lake is up while Blake Masters is down. Brian Kemp is going to kick the ever-living shit out of Stacey Abrams. Uh, but, of course, Herschel Walker is down barely. And so that is kind of a phenomenon we haven't really seen a ton of, which is how much of these ticket splits are going to happen. And you could see it in Pennsylvania. You could see uh, Shapiro win and you could see Oz win. And so uh, it's going to be a fascinating election. I'm almost tired of talking about it. Um, but a lot of a lot of good Democratic candidates are up against history and they're up against a very, very unpopular president. Despite how, you know, our media portrays him, he is one or two points. He just hit 44 percent, but he's still underwater about where Donald Trump was in his presidency at this time. And then Trump was at 45 or 44, 43. And you don't get that impression. And that's all due to media coverage and how that's covered. Trump was at 43 or 42 with unending negative media coverage. Biden is at 43, 42 with almost all positive media coverage. And it really shows you how they kind of tip the scales with this stuff. Uh, I'll give you the last thought. Go ahead. Um, well, Christine Drazen is up 6% now uh, ahead of Tina Kotek, um, which is about 7% of the third party former Democrat for, for candidates. Pe for people um, not familiar, who are the party IDs for these people? The okay. Okay. So, so Tina Kotek is a wildly unpopular uh, speaker of the Oregon House who is running for governor. Um, Christine Drazen. What, what's her party the, ID? What's Kotick's party ID? 
Kotek is Democrat. Okay. And the uh, rebel Democrat who's running as an independent is Betsy Johnson, who's wonderful, but I think her time has passed. She's, she's not real healthy to look at, but very, very smart. Like, in, in terms of what she said in the debates, sharp as could be. Um, and then Christine Drazen did, acquitted herself well in the debates. And she's the House minority, or I think, whatever, the minority leader in the Oregon legislature. And she's uh, a Republican. And I think she maybe used to be a mayor or something, but I may be mistaking her for somebody who was running against her. But she's now up by 6%. Um, uh, what's his name? Phil Knight of Nike just gave her like a million dollars. And before he was trying to back uh, Johnson. And so that was a big deal. That's, that's a big signal. Um, still, if, you, if I'm on YouTube, the only ads I see are for Tina Kotek. I have not seen one ad for either of the other two candidates. And yet she is just trailing terribly. And by the way, her ads are awful. They, they may be spending a lot of money to put them out there, but they're really bad ads. She just has no redeeming qualities. I, it's, it's awful. If you can, I don't know, it might amuse you to go see. But the other thing is out, um, we were gerrymandered very badly after uh, the last census. But even so, it looks like Kurt Schrader, he lost in the primary to a very left-wing woke white woman. And yet now that woman very well might lose to sort of what, what you call, quote, a right-wing Latina, which is a professional uh, Latina woman who uh, used to be the, maybe she still is, the CEO of um, the Oregon Anesthesia Group, I believe, um, which handles like billing and everything for, the, um, for all the anesthesiologists in the state. Um, so she's, uh, that was like a big surprise. And I think she used to be like the mayor of a small town out there or something like that. But her district that includes Latinos that were taken for granted that were expected to vote Democrat that are, you know, not at all feeling like voting Democrat. Like I, I just had work done on my roof from a guy who's a dual Mexican-American citizen and he's disgusted with everything gender. And he's like basically his youngest kid. They're going back to Mexico for a few months and doing everything online. Like he doesn't want his kids in the school. So mm. that's, you know, not something you would necessarily expect. Um, so, yeah, there's like a good chance even, which would be shocking, but possible. Alex Garlados is behind by 1%. And I know you don't believe in the electoral shenanigans, but I was just looking at the registrations uh, page for Oregon. There's a whole bunch of registrations that say like the corner of 5th and Burnside, the corner of 6th and Burnside, the parking lot at Walmart, you know, those kind of registrations as their home address. It's possible that some of them are just homeless and that's their closest place that they, but I don't think so. I think there's a lot of fake registrations. So, uh, I, I don't deny that that stuff goes on. It's just, does, does it go on in the level, uh, like say in 2020? I'm telling you, page after page states. after, I can send so, you the link, page after page okay. after page like this. So okay. it's, I, I think there's a real risk that the SEIU is going to go around ballot harvesting. And also they do it in the um, retirement homes where they uh, 
have their people. So well, certainly if they would do it anywhere, it would be in Portland. So yeah, truffle, go, yeah. go cook your, go roast your carrots. Okay. Okay. Cheers. Um, thank you very much. Yep. Good to hear from you. All right, Samuel, let it rip. I don't need to really introduce you here. <laughs> well, I, I'm just going to say that Oz is going to win. Like, I, I'm feeling very confident. I mean, again, like, the, my biggest thing with – I'm not really – like, I wish I could Are say Are you confident surprised. enough that Oz is going to win, that if Fetterman wins, you have to give up your student loan buying box? Sure. Okay. So if Fetterman yeah, wins, you can't apply down for anyways, student so loans. Anything. Right, but uh, again, I think, uh, like I said, I wish I was surprised by what the media is doing to run to Fetterman's defense, but I'm just not at this point. I, I can't be surprised by it. I mean, bashing one of their own I'm, journalists. I'm not, is I'm not of- surprised at the wagon circling. They do that with anyone. I'm surprised at the level of absolute medical dishonesty that they're just pushing on their audience. It was funny because that talking point about him being deaf, I think that came out on Lawrence's show on MSNBC that night. And then they all jumped behind it. Like every single one of them just went, Oh oh yeah, he's just deaf. He's just hard of hearing. And I think it was my mouth just hitting the floor. I'm like, you guys are usually better than this. You guys can usually come up with something that, you know, can make someone who's pretty aggressive pushing back on things like this look too aggressive and look bad faith and all of this stuff. But they literally went with, oh, he's just deaf. And that's what you just stop and kind of cock your head and go, where, why doesn't he wear hearing aids? And these are things of why, again, why Twitter is such a kind of a fun place that it is, is because if you were sitting across the table from these people, you would just like sit there, cross your arms and just go, you wouldn't believe a single thing they said. You just go, what, what, where, why, why does he wear hearing aids then if he's deaf? Just simple, basic, non-medical questions. And then you see that you see how it takes hold, and you see that now they're settling on he he has a mild form of aphasia that doesn't that doesn't affect his cognitive ability. And then you go and you read about aphasia, and you read their own words about aphasia, and it's like it is a cognitive disability. You're you're now trying to redefine what what aphasia is, and you see how they just roll out in front of it. So no, I'm not. I'm not really shocked at the wagon circling. I'm shocked at what the, like the excuses they're settling on to, to say how stupid people are when these, these reasons are, are very much put down very easily with very simple questions, which is when they say, you know, well, you guys elected Greg Abbott and you go, is, is a physical impairment the same as cognitive brain damage? Yes or no. And that's generally when they stop replying. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that they're doing it. It's, it's at the ludicrous speed of how badly they're doing it and thinking that they're winning the argument. When again, we're now, we're now what four days into this news cycle and they're still at like threat level midnight here, which means they absolutely know how bad this looks. So maybe Oz comes down tomorrow and Dasha Burns, you know, redeems herself. But I expect a fair interview based on what I saw. She's probably going to ask Oz about his, you know, his medical, his pushing pills and Oprah and the things he was embroiled in there. And she'll ask him about his wealth. So I hope he comes prepared. I'm not expecting him to based on this race. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And so we'll see if she, we'll see if she's doing it as kind of a redemption thing where she goes extra hard on Oz and then they all just go, okay, she's back. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I would probably agree with you that yeah, I I more surprised by how they're trying to defend him than them defending him. And I would just say, like, I'm not, I was not an Oz supporter. I don't live in Pennsylvania, but I would have voted for McCormick. But why, why did I, I get think that you it, lived in but, Pennsylvania for some reason? I don't know. I, I also, we got well, Matt, we've been we talking Matt about New this Jersey race for months. Um, yeah, the funniest thing about people pushing back on this is this is not about getting Oz, the Senate seat. I, I had one of these uh, dirtbag left guys accuse me of being an actual GOP rep. And I wanted to show him my, my voter registration because I'm not even a registered Republican. Um, and I mean, I probably won't be until we'll see what happens in two years. But I, I'm kind of like, no, I don't care about Oz. This is not about caring about getting a majority Senate. And the reason I don't care about really a majority Senate is because I think there's going to be a majority House. Um, hold on a second. Hey, cool it. God, speaking of background noise. Um, so I don't really care. As long as one house is taken and it stops what Biden is doing, gridlock, great. I'm fine with it. So no, this isn't even about I'm trying to elect Oz. And I realize if you like look at my Twitter feed, it looks that way. I'm pushing back on dishonesty that I see. And the, the dishonesty can be about Fetterman. It could be about Herschel Walker, which I, I'm just kind of like, wow, he's dumb. Um, it could be about <laughs> anything. It has nothing to do with the specific race. It has to do with what you see is an actual coordinated media campaign really here scared to death that they just lost the Senate because they are the ones that decided to put forth a giant Frankenstein stroke victim. We didn't do that. You guys did that. You didn't have to do it, but you did it. And it's the same thing that, you know, I, I say about Trump or I say about Hillary, which is you guys didn't have to nominate Hillary. You didn't have to do that, but you did because you wanted history. And now apparently they want history again and they want to put like the first official Abby normal brain into. The but, yeah, my, my point was, I, I mean, we'll see what happens with the Oz interview with her and see if he's unprepared. And I get it was a friendly interview, but he did a recent one on the Ruthless podcast. Um, again, it's a friendly, it's a friendly interview, you know, they're not really pressing him, but I thought he came off really well there. I like, I was legitimately impressed, which is saying something because generally I'm just, okay. They're just saying, you know, normal politic things. I thought he came across well, but like the reason generally for my confidence is like, number one, if you look at the RCP, uh, polls and the average for Fetterman of the last four polls, it's uh, plus three, plus four, plus two, plus six for Fetterman. And Emerson, which is probably the best poll there, is only plus two. And, I mean, he's having a hard – Fetterman's having a hard time getting over 45, 46, which is kind of the same thing we can say for Mark Kelly, which is why I still don't think we should give up on the Arizona race. But um, there was this poll that came out about Ron Johnson, how he's now up 52, I think 46, over Mandela Barnes who's another one of those where we really haven't talked about horrible Democrat candidates, where we love to talk about crappy Republican candidates, but for some reason we don't talk about horrible Democrat candidates. He's another one. And I was looking back, I went back and looked at some uh, Senate races. If you go back to Ron Johnson in 2016, he was trailing in every single poll except for one. He was down in every single poll and he ended up by winning by three points. And again, it's a Rust Belt state. It's, you know, they they go back and forth on, you know, presidents and stuff. 
And I think it's got a lot of the same hallmarks where Feingold was up in every uh, poll, but he had trouble towards the end getting over 45, 46%. And Johnson just skunked him right at the end. Um, and I, I think, I think Oz is going to win this race. And I think everyone's going to look, I, again, I think the whole reason he's doing interviews, like we were talking, you were talking about the coordinated where he had like three interviews drop in like, you know, a day he wouldn't be doing, cause we saw what happened early on when he was up by 10 and 11 points, supposedly he wasn't doing interviews. He wasn't out there doing anything. He was just holed up in his basement and as soon as the race started to close, now he's doing interviews. Now they're running, you know, a uh, protection racket. They're clearly seeing, I mean, and Schumer just dropped another $5 million into Pennsylvania. So clearly they're not seeing that this race is over and done with, with what people thought, you know, a month or two ago. So I'm fairly confident in Oz. And again, I was just, looking back at these averages from 2014, 2016, 2018, I mean, there's five, six point, 10 point misses across the board and races that, you know, for example, Indiana in 2018, the RCP average was Donnelly plus one. The actual result was Mike Braun plus six. So that's a seven point swing there in Indiana. Like I could have told you Indiana was going to vote for the Republican. Same for Josh Hawley in 2018. He was uh, only up like half a point in the average. He won by six. Uh, again, we could go through Joni Ernst, Tom Tillis. They, the Senate polls are Marsha Blackburn in Tennessee was only up five. She won by 11. So there's consistent five to six point misses, if not bigger. I mean, it's fun to look at like Susan Collins being down in every single poll at least by five in pretty much all of them and then winning by nine. That's always a fun one to look at, but you just see across the board where there's at least five to six point misses. And I, I guess the last thing I'll just kind of say on the environment, the, like the national environment is uh, Dan McLaughlin tweeted today that a Marist poll has Chuck Schumer only up 13 points where he won in what his last race would have been 2016. He won by 44 in 2016 and just saying, you know, if that's even close to true, what that says for the environment and you look out in Washington where Joe Biden won by 19 points and Patty Murray is up by like nine, maybe. So that's like a 10 point swing, which is what we saw in uh, uh, Virginia and New Jersey last year, where it was about a 10 point swing. And I think that's what we're going to see across the board. It's just, we keep seeing these indicators where it, it just looks like it's going to be favorable. And if they're close, I'm taking the Republican. And what in uh, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, if they're within a couple points, I think the Republican's going to win. It just comes down to history, really. Well, the good news, Sam, we're, we're all going to find out in, in Thank two God. weeks or three weeks here. So uh, you're going to be the man on the spot here if the, if this doesn't go away so we are going to hold you accountable we're not we're not going to just let you pollsters and people who watch polling just get away with another one so i'm staking uh, my claim on pennsylvania the other races i'm not i'm not going to say how they're going to go i think right. i think masters could win i think walker could win i'm not going to say that they're going to but oz i'm fairly confident in that one 
Uh, I mean, I am too. Like I said, I'm 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 a very gut instinct person. I I, I look at polling and I, and I see trends, but I'm not someone where I'm like, oh, I don't really make predictions because I'm, you know, a lot of times I'm wrong. But I I am with the sentiment that based on the reaction to the Fetterman video and just how fervent it was and just how vicious it was. Um, I'm with that. I, I'm like, I don't think this dude's going to win. I, I think voters are probably like, I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know other than, obviously there's a base of support, right? So the the Democrats will have a base of support in every state, every state there'll be a base of support. So the cities like Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, wherever, uh, whatever other shithole cities exist in Pennsylvania. And then you have rurals and you have out there's and whatever's. And then you get like 10, 20% of independents. And I don't know how you're an independent sitting there going, I'm going to send this dude to the Senate. Like after that, I don't know how, if you're an up in the air voter, you somehow just go, yeah, this guy's got my vote after, after that, after that, after watching that happen, where the funny, the other thing about how he answers questions is, and I think this is part of how he reads them. And, you know, and when I played these clips yesterday on my podcast, I left in the him reading it is he still comes off super abrasive. Like he doesn't come off well. He doesn't come off like a dude that I'm supposed to be sympathetic for. Uh, I am. And that's what this is. That's what they don't want you to think. Like, I'm not sitting here like, glad this dude has a stroke. We're going to keep the fucking Senate. That's not what this is about. It, it genuinely is about, I can't fucking believe they're like, this guy's going to die and they're going to go, well, at least we kept the Senate. <laughs> like, like Schumer just wants to step over this fat dude's body. And if it works, they're just, they're going to build a statue to him, you know? Uh, and, and that's how I'm just in kind of disbelief of how a voter uh, looks at this dude and just goes, yep, that's my guy. I'm also the guy who thought that about Donald Trump in 2016. So who knows? Yeah, and if they build him a statue, it's gonna have to be one big ass statue. Yeah, I think but, they'll just they'll just encase his body in lead. They'll, I mean, just, they'll just stand him up, and they'll just pour like you know bronze over the top of him, and that like that him. that'll be the statue. Apparently, I mean, yeah. I mean, but the last thing I'll say, and then I'll get off, is just like even the Oz, the basis support, like you're talking about, like the Democrat base. In some of the polls where they like get, you know, they break it down a little bit more. Oz is like way outperforming uh, general Republicans in the suburbs and in, 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 in the urban areas is the rules where he's lagging. And that's where he'll make up that ground. You know, rural Republicans are going to turn out and they will vote for the Republican. They just might not still be on, you know, Oz train. And I can't really blame him for that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's even cutting into the suburbs, which is just bad news for Fetterman. And yeah, I mean, I'll be very happy whenever he loses on election night, um, just because we shouldn't be electing people who can't speak coherently to the Senate. But I'll it's not it's not Walker speak coherently. He can't think cognitively. It's not even the speak. It's I don't even care if they can speak. And people say, so you're not okay electing a deaf person? No, I'm fine. Transcribe bills or intelligence reports into Braille. I don't care about that kind of stuff or blind or whatever. This, This is a guy who cannot cognitively process things that he is hearing or reading. 
That is the fucking problem when you're a United States senator, and that's your job. That That is all of your job. Uh, you're not required to lift heavy objects. You're not required to put fires out. Uh, okay, you were one day on January 6th. Um, you're not required to do so. Your whole fucking job is listening to what people are saying to you in testimony, in interviews, in staff meetings, in uh, congressional meetings, in wherever, and being able to recognize what is being put in front of you. And that could be an intelligence briefing. It could be classified information. It could be uh, freedom of information. It could be, it could be anything. It could be a debrief. It could be committee. It could be anything. And again, they, they know this. They just, again, they need the warm body uh, to fill that seat. And that's the problem is he's probably not going to be that warm by the time they fill that seat. Good God. Yeah. Gee, Watch him like die on election night. Like, what did that? <laughs> well, I said like the predictions. I think it was Jeff Blair, Secretary CD, who said, "What's what's your prediction? What's the October prediction that uh, upends everything?" And they said, "Nuclear." He, he gave options. He went nuclear war. Uh, <laughs> he gave like a bunch of foreign policy things. Uh, Biden invades Russia. Uh, nuclear war. He gave like a few of those. And I said, Fetterman dies. Like. Three, you know, three days before he dis- he disappears, and then you know I don't know we don't see we don't see we don't see him for three for the next two weeks, and then he wins, and then we learn on like November twelfth that he died on October twenty seventh. Yeah, could you think of a bit like the the Walker like October surprise again? I'm kind of I don't know how much that really matters, but what if like Fetterman is like the actual October surprise and something yeah, like happens? just Fetterman? That not, would be not not crazy. not a secret kid, not a secret kid, not a Russian laptop. No, it's just him. He's he he. <laughs> his body is the October surprise. Like I, I don't like I, I have a I do have a morbid sense of humor, but even I'm just like. Uh, given the, given the election cycle, it, it would not shock me. So yeah, we'll see. Well, have a good night. Thanks. Um, I, I'm going to have to offer more apologies. We're not going to make it through all of you guys. Uh, I do want to hear, I did want to hear from Chris Damon, Jeffrey and John. Uh, I will be back. Here. I'm going to do this probably Saturday, late AM. And I know at least three of you do nothing but consume mayonnaise on Saturday morning. So I know you don't have anything to do. Um, but it is getting late here and, uh, I do want to just kind of mix up the sexes. Don't be a misogynist and don't be an alpha male. And, uh, I just, I'm going to wrap this up tonight with Jenny. I know this is an explosive topic and I know a lot of you have a lot of things to say about it. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm kind of starting to struggle here with it's the time and late. So, uh, I'm going to finish with Jenny and uh, Saturday, I'm going to just do an open topic. So hold on, uh, John, Jeffrey, Damon, Chris, Stephen, I know is back there as well. Hold on to your thoughts, write them down, uh, bury yourself in your misery, and uh, try to try to come back here on Saturday. And like I said, I'll probably do an open topic, but I do want to uh, just mix up the sexes a little bit. Uh, I'm going to end with Jenny, who we sometimes end with anyway. And uh, I do appreciate you, I do appreciate you guys waiting. Uh, I'm sorry that I didn't get to you guys tonight. Uh, but like I said, um, I, I have photographic memory here. Speaking of, you know, concussed brains. So John, Jeffrey, Damon, Chris, Stephen, if you guys join in on Saturday, I'll try to get you guys up first. But Jenny, go ahead and wrap us up. Take us home. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's just it's a talkable content. It's a talkable topic. 
it's an explosive topic. It's one that, it, you know, I'm built for and the show is built for. So I know we had a lot of callers and I do appreciate that. But Jenny, you're last tonight. Go ahead and bring us home. I have the ultimate October surprise for Fetterman. A, a new Saturday, a new brain? No, the Saturday before the election, he goes on Saturday Night Live where they have oh, invited God. <laughs> Dana Carvey to come on as the church lady. Oh, God. And give him the ultimate interview and do a little dance, make a little love. I didn't even think about SNL. Could Fuck. this be Satan? Oh, I didn't even think about I didn't even think about SNL. You're you're gonna will that into existence. I didn't even think about that. Wouldn't he be great? It, uh, it would be Dana Carvey. I mean, you're on the right beat. You kinda lose me at the church lady, but they could end up literally having so there was a famous skit where Norm Macdonald had Phil Hartman on as Frankenstein and, and he would redo him political headlines. He would say, So the Middle East, uh, you know, whatever is on, he'd be talking about like the PLO or Yasser Arafat or whatever. And he, he would say, This week, President Clinton held a summit with a Yasser Arafat, da 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 da. Here to comment on this delicate foreign policy is Frankenstein. And Phil Hartman would come out and he would just sit there with the paper in his hand and look I up. I remember and go, it was the funniest go, ever. Fire bad! <laughs> and then he would go, there's Frankenstein. So he, and I'm just like, oh, they're going to fucking do this. You watch. No, it's, it's time they're, for them they're, to they're resurrect. They're going to absolutely do like t- t- Tyler, what's his name, or Colin Jost and uh, Michael Shea are totally going to be like, this week, Michael Fetterman sat down for an interview with NBC, uh, NBC and, you know, that, because it was NBC, so of course it's SNL. And they cut. They questioned his cognitive abilities and his end. Here to comment is Frankenstein, and you know they're gonna. Fetterman's gonna roll up to the desk, and he's just gonna go fire bad, and it's gonna be a huge thing, and it's gonna go viral. He'd win. And, he would absolutely oh, win. Right? I don't fucking believe you just willed this into existence. If this happens, if this happens the way I said it is. I'm going to I'm going to raise my like fucking tier on Patreon to like $100 a month membership and demand you all pay it because uh-huh. they're totally going to do it. Oh, you're so right. Fetterman's going to pop up on Saturday Night Live. Or they're going to have just, or they're going to have him host it the week before the yeah, election. Yeah, guest host, uh, maybe do God. Some, some singing. Put our words. if they were smart, he would do that. He would go on and clown on that whole image. Well, um, you know, Steve Bannon said he was satanic, so that's why oh, I, I channeled yeah, the church lady. Steve Bannon thinks everyone is satanic, though. That's well, the thing. I, I just think the church lady would do justice to oh, God. You know, the interview. She's really good. We're so glad we're wrapping up with this because I can't even – I can't even – yeah. This is going to get willed a new exi- – I, I can't believe I didn't even think about this. And I think it's because, like, even the left is soured on Saturday Night Live. Like, they're starting to make Biden jokes here and there. Um, I don't know if you guys saw Trevor Noah had a little bit of a go on this. Um, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but I guess Trevor Noah did his show on this tonight or he did something on Fetterman. And he said, if missing a word and a thought here and there is disqualifying for office, how do you explain, how do you explain the last six years of our presidents? So the fact he even included Biden in that is like, (laughs) Um, well, the but, memes have, the memes tonight have been spicy. My favorite one was a journalist carrying a body bag, dragging it, and and wheeling Fetterman into into the Senate <laughs> with a body bag. It was Jesus. it was good. There's some really funny ones out there right now, but oh, I, I feel for the poor guy because you know it has to be so frustrating 
if they were smart, if, if, if they were smart, they would, they would lean into the whole Frankenstein joke and they would just do it and just have them do a weekend update appearing as Frankenstein. The journos would just come all over themselves. No, the best memes are the uncle fester memes. Have you seen that too? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. He could do (laughs) SNL and do all of this shit. And I mean, the thing that was interesting about him being in New York mag is I'm like, why isn't Oz hitting him on being elitist? I mean, Fetterman spent the pandemic in New Jersey, like, and um, then he's in New York mag and he's got like the Pete Buttigieg, the halo light in his face. And they're trying to make him look soft, like a big old cuddly bear. And I was kind of just like, why isn't Oz hitting like, hey, at least I don't appear in elite New York media because I think that would play well in rural Pennsylvania. I think it'd be, I would just, I would just be passing out New York mag and be like, here's John Fetterman in New York magazine. This is a guy who wants like AOC and Mark's Bay to belong to elitist progressive society, which, you know, that's what started kind of with Obama and, and also Bernie. Bernie was never a guy who wanted to destroy the establishment. He wanted to be in the club. And I would just be passing out copies of that New York mag. I just, just the cover, not the profile, because you don't want to do that. And just say, here he is. He just wants to be a part of like the elitist New York mag. Fetterman would show up at the Met, you know, like dressed as Optimus Prime or some shit. Um, but yeah, oh God, uh, you, you, he's going to pop up on SNL. He's 100% going to pop up on SNL, 100%. I look forward to watching it. Thanks for having uh, me on. You'd be the only one. Literally, like in the entire country, um, yeah, that you, yeah, we just willed that one into existence. This is like choose the form of the destructor. Yeah, he's 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 totally gonna. Yeah, I can't even talk. He's gonna pop up at us now. I might even go into this on the podcast tomorrow. Like that, you know, like NBC journals are just like going to Lauren Michaels and just get him up there and just make fun of this. Like he's gonna get up there and just stammer all through the interview or drool or something so they can make fun of how retarded he is. And it, oh God, they're gonna do it. Uh, well, I'm gonna blame you when that happens. Just do so it. You know. I'd, I'd love so, to own that. No, you're right. He is, uh, I'm convinced he's going to show up on SNL now. So, uh, Jenny, any final, any other final doomsday predictions you have for us here? I just see a red tsunami pretty much everywhere. I'm out in Colorado and it's been, it's been really fun. We have this secretary of state, Jenna Griswold. She got, got smoked in her debate the other night. It was just delicious. I see her for some reason. I see her ads on my Roku on like sling and whatever. She does the stupid ad where she has, she has, she does have crazy killer eyes. Um, and she walks around and saying, I gave the right to vote. She's walking through this dude's kitchen. She walks through like a family's kitchen and like takes a carrot off the table where you think it like looks cute. And I'm like, does she just like walk into this family's house and take a thing off the table? Um, I don't know much about him, but. Yeah. Well, we have a strong history out here of secretary of states who have just been so nonpartisan, you know, just really doing the job, doing the work, put in some great policies that have benefited the taxpayers and the voters. She gets up at this debate and takes credit for all of that work, you know, claiming that she did it. And people are just like, who are you? You know, she's so young and arrogant and I just I look forward to her just being wiped off the the Colorado stage. We'll see. Colorado's pretty solid blue right now, so yeah. uh, it looks like Bennett's probably going to pull in out there. 
Um, O'Day looks like he's fading, and Benetton, obviously, Polis. And basically, Colorado got all of the Portland, Washington, California population in the last 10 years, and it just changed the complete makeup of the state. I mean, just with the growth in metropolitan and rural Colorado is still fairly red, but they just have too many people in the residential areas, which is kind of their that's Democratic strategy. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I, think, I, just, I, think I don't Polis, know. I think Polis is done. There's been so much crime during his reign and, and I don't see it. I mean, the one thing that he did during the pandemic is he bucked, he really did buck liberal orthodoxy on masks, outdoors, mask mandates. I think they, I think they still had him in Denver. Um, But you know, when they went back to masking, if you remember in the summer last year where they would mask or vax or whatever, and then they went back to it. And Polis, I think was like, I'm not doing this because you know, in the summer he has, all the fucking hippies that want to go hiking in, in Boulder and, and he's not going to make people mask outdoors. So I would genuinely be surprised if, if Paul was lost. He was one of the few governors who stood up to the, the mask Nazis, but I, the, the crime rate right now is just out of control. It's almost as bad as certain Democrat, you know, strongholds around the country. And, uh, Colorado is traditionally a very low crime state. And so I, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they said goodbye to him at this point. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you, you probably have more faith in that than I do, but uh, Jenny, thank you. Thank you for willing Fetterman onto SNL. That's it's totally going to happen. I'm convinced <laughs> of it. Probably the, probably the week before. I don't even know when November 8th, well, it's a Tuesday. So it'd be like, what, the 4th of November or whatever here. I'll look right here. Yeah, it would be, it would be the 5th of November. Uh, oh, good. They can have him play fucking Guy Fox even. Great. Yeah, that's so. 5th of November is the Guy Fox day, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him a mask. A fucking nightmare. And he's totally, you know, he's totally one of those Guy Fox wearing mask freaks. He just, he is. So, all right. Well, thanks, Jenny, for ending our night on that one. That was, uh, that was a fun one. Yep. Great show. Cheers. Uh, again, sorry, sorry for you guys that we missed. Uh, I do, I do appreciate uh, you guys holding in the queue. Uh, any of you guys that were in the queue, uh, like I said, I'm going to try to be back here Saturday. I do have, a, I do have a cocky game Friday night, so we'll see how I'm doing. But I should be all right. So I'm going to try to be back here for maybe brunches for assholes, open topic AMA on Saturday morning. So if you do show up, I'll make sure you're in the front. Uh, again, I do apologize. We're just pushing two hours here already. Um, yeah, again, this isn't going to end. This is something that we're still going to be pushing on Twitter. We're going to start. We're still going to see more excuses. Journalists, whatever. We saw the Washington Post TikTok asshole do this today. Um, so they're all in on this. Um, and like I said, this is this is the kind of kind of narrative and story that this podcast and myself are built for. So I'm not going to really let up on it uh, until I get some semblance of uh honest discourse with it so again thanks everyone for joining thanks everyone calling especially thanks for everyone for listening this is a 50th 50th excuse me that's the stroke uh episode we've done here and when i when i joined colin and i did this i didn't know uh if this would be if this would last if it would be good if it would be successful or whatever um but it really has and it's because of you guys you guys choose to kind of come in here we, we keep things pretty loose. I like hearing again from people from all over the country, uh, your different experiences, your areas of expertise and all of that. It's the most fascinating thing about this to me. And I'm way far more interested in hearing from you guys than I am putting up 
other content creators or journalists or media or interviews or anything. Uh, I kind of think these platforms are built for us and not them. And that includes you. Hence the Versus Media. Anyway, uh, thanks again for joining. Thanks again for staying up tonight. Um, I will be back on Patreon tomorrow. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to have more to say about this and a few other topics. I, I did want to get into a little bit about Ben Sass and Jennifer Rubin, uh, but maybe do that on Saturday. Uh, but I'm going to probably do that on the podcast tomorrow as well. So, again, thank you all. Uh, this has been episode 50, even 50. The, the, these don't matter now until I get to 100. And so we'll see if that happens. Uh, but, again, thanks for making this one of the top shows here on Colin. Colin is a great platform. Uh, they have lots of different people here. There's obviously Brown and Joy Gray's on here. Matt Taibbi's on here. Um, even even complete crazies like Arlie Alexander's on here. So uh, there's something for everyone. You guys can even start one on here and let me know about it. And so, again, thanks for keeping me towards the top of the subscriber list here and keeping me up there. Uh, I appreciate it because those people have infinitely larger platforms than I do. Uh, I'm Stephen O. Miller. This first is Media Live. Again, I'll see you on Patreon tomorrow, and I'll try to see you guys back here on Saturday. Cheers. Take care. Have a good night.